You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 6th, and I'm here today to recap Number two, Ohio State's uninspiring, almost completely unwatchable 21-7 win over Northwestern in the howling winds and rain of Ryan Field yesterday afternoon. Man, that was three and a half hours of my life I will never get back. (laughs) Ryan Day said in the postgame, it felt like a trip to the dentist, and I'm glad this game is over with, which confirms what we saw in the body language of his players for much of the game. The Buckeyes would have rather been anywhere else yesterday than on that field, or so it seemed. Look, I suppose we should have seen this performance coming from Ohio State. An 11 a.m. Central kick, 30 to 40 mile per hour wind gusts with rain, and a coach in Pat Fitzgerald who's shown a knack for frustrating Ryan Day in the past. We remember how Fitzgerald was able to junk up the 2020 Big Ten title game, and pushed the Buckeyes well into the fourth quarter of that game. But I think what we've also seen from the Buckeyes in recent weeks is a growing tendency to over-rely on a second-half flurry of explosive plays, mostly from the passing game, to put opponents away. That's how they delivered the knockout punches against both Iowa and Penn State the last two weeks. But with the weather conditions as they were, you know, completely taking the passing game out of their arsenal. The Buckeyes had to scratch and claw for every yard yesterday afternoon. When Ohio State had to drive into the wind, that was the first and fourth quarters of yesterday's game. C.J. Stroud was three of nine for 21 yards. That's just to give you an idea of how how tough it was to throw into that win. And Ohio State only attempted one pass in the fourth quarter which I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to go on record right now that will probably stand as the weirdest most unlikely stat of the 2022 season for Ohio State only one pass attempt in a 7 point game in the fourth quarter so I'm going to tick down my list of observations very quickly and I will hope to not put you all to sleep talking about this pretty forgettable game first If you were in the C.J. Stroud needs to run the ball more camp, take a victory lap. Yesterday was your day. (laughs) Now, trailing 7-0 and facing a fourth and one from the Northwestern 37-yard line, Stroud delivered a 16-yard run to the Northwestern 21-yard line. He ran for another six yards on the next play before Emeka Igbuka would score on a 15-yard jet sweep to tie the game. And, you know, who would have thunk it? Stroud would deliver the knockout blow late in this game, not with his arm, but with his legs on second and nine from the Northwestern 49 yard line and the Buckeyes leading 14 to seven with 430 to play in the game. Stroud pulled the ball out of Mayan Williams belly on the zone read and scampered around end and down the sidelines for 44 yards to the Northwestern five yard line. Mayan Williams would score two plays later to put the Buckeyes up 21-7 And that was your ball game. On the day, Stroud finished with a career-high 79 yards rushing on six carries. And that would offset a really rough day throwing the ball. Stroud finished 10 of 26 for 76 yards and no touchdowns. 
And I thought, you know, after the game, Stroud's Heisman campaign was probably done. But after watching Georgia shut down Hendon Hooker, I think those 79 rushing yards from C.J. Stroud, that 44-yard scamper in particular, probably kept Stroud's Heisman chances alive. Now, Stroud was an unlikely hero in what is becoming a much maligned Ohio State rushing attack. Before the game even started yesterday, there was bad news for the running game. Trevion Henderson was unavailable once again after apparently re-aggravating his foot injury against Penn State last week. I, I did not see that. I don't think anybody did. His name on the availability report yesterday was a surprise to just about everybody. He didn't even make the trip to Evanston. So the Buckeyes would have to lean heavily on Mayan Williams in this game, who himself is dealing with several minor injuries, including a hand injury that took him out of last week's Penn State game after only two carries. And of course, you know, the Buckeyes were very slow to get the run game going once again for the third week in a row. They ran for a paltry 26 yards on 10 carries in the first quarter. In the first quarter, Mayan Williams was stuffed for no gain twice on third and one and once on fourth and one. Now, Ryan Day said the fact the Wildcats knew Ohio State could not throw the ball because of the wind allowed them to devote extra men to the line of scrimmage against the run. But look, we're talking about a Northwestern defense that ranks 112th in the country against the run. Ohio State received its lowest PFF grade of the season for run blocking with a grade of 59.9. Now, these are the run, the run blocking grades for the starting offensive line yesterday. Paris Johnson Jr., 57. Donovan Jackson, 51.8. It's the second week in a row. He's he graded in the low 50s for run blocking. He was terrible again yesterday. Luke Whipler, 65.7. Now that was the best grade of the bunch. Matthew Jones, 57.6. And Dewan Jones, 53.8. Those lousy run blocking grades came against one of the worst rush defenses in the country. Now I don't think Mayan Williams I, I didn't think he was at his best in the first half either. To me, it looked like there was too much pitter-patter at the line of scrimmage. Too many times it seemed he allowed the first tackler to bring him down. You know, he didn't seem to be running through contact the way he normally does. He also seemed to be missing some of that burst we saw from him earlier in the season. But to his credit, Williams would come to life in the second half, rushing for 89 yards on 15 carries and two touchdowns, including a 27-yard touchdown run on third and three in the third quarter. Williams broke several tackles on the play. He bounced off the pile, rumbled around end for the touchdown. That would give Ohio State a 14-7 lead, and it was his best run in weeks. So it was good to see Williams get going there. On the day, he would finish with a respectable 111 yards on a career-high 26 carries, the Buckeyes would finish the day with 207 rushing yards on 35 carries. That's 5.9 yards per carry. Not bad. Yeah, I don't know that we can call it a good day running the ball for Ohio State. It, it's, it's still reasonable to expect a better four-quarter effort from the Ohio State rushing attack than what we saw yesterday against an opponent like Northwestern. So still work to be done there as Ohio State moves forward in the schedule and heads toward that November 26th date against Michigan. They are going to need to run the ball well in that game, to be sure. I think it's going to be interesting to see how C.J. Stroud's day running the ball yesterday will impact the running game in the coming weeks, because now opponents have to respect him as a runner in the zone read. I think it would also be really nice if somehow Mayan Williams and Trey Henderson could both play in the same game for more than a few plays at a time. I think Ryan Day and Tony Alford have their work cut out for them in these coming weeks, you know, keeping both of those backs healthy. 
And I'm going to say it again. You know, why why not see what either Dallin Hayden or Chip Trainum can give you for a few carries against either Indiana or, or Maryland or in both games? Why not give one of those two backs a little run? Now, I'm guessing we probably won't see much of that, if any, at this late stage. I mean, we're nine weeks into the season. That ship has probably sailed for Ryan Day and Tony Alford. It, they seemed bound and determined to ride or die with Henderson and Williams, neither of which has been healthy since September. So real quick on the Ohio State passing game, I don't think we can realistically draw any conclusions there. The win clearly had a major impact on the on the passing game yesterday. If you're an Ohio State fan who suddenly has concerns about Ohio State throwing the football, let me reassure you, C.J. Stroud didn't forget how to throw the ball. And though there were a couple of uncharacteristic drops in yesterday's game, the Ohio State receivers didn't forget how to catch the ball either. Against two of the better pass defenses in the country, Iowa and Penn State, C.J. Stroud was a combined 46 of 63. That's a 73% completion percentage with 640 yards and five touchdowns. I'm going to file yesterday's performance under nothing to see here. (laughs) As our friend Chad Plummer likes to say, etch a sketch it and move on. You know, save for another severe weather event. I think the Ohio State passing game is going to be just fine the rest of the way. Now, on the other side of the ball, I thought the Ohio State defense also started the game in a bit of a malaise. It just really seemed to take everyone in an Ohio State uniform yesterday an entire quarter to wake up. There was just absolutely no juice whatsoever in that stadium. And look, credit Northwestern. They came into that game with a good plan. They were ready to play. They had a nice first quarter, 113 yards on 18 offensive plays. That included a nine-play, 80-yard scoring drive, punctuated by an Evan Hall 16-yard touchdown run on a play where Ohio State corner J.K. Johnson pretty much whiffed on Hall in the open field. I mean, that allowed Hall to get to the edge and score on the play. I recognize that's a tough matchup there for Johnson. Hall's a pretty big, sturdy back, tough to bring down in the open field. But that's a play you have to be able to make as a starting cornerback at Ohio State. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Johnson in the tackling department. He was dreadful last week against Penn State as well. It was Johnson who was run over by Parker Washington on Washington's 58-yard catch and run for Penn State's first touchdown in the game. But after giving up 86 yards rushing in the first quarter, the Ohio State defense would settle down the rest of the way. After that first quarter, the Buckeye defense would limit the Northwestern run game to 120 yards on 46 carries. That's only 2.6 yards per carry. On the day, Northwestern would finish with 206 total yards rushing, but on 59 carries, that's only three and a half yards per carry. And it was so annoying. At, at the end of the telecast, Sean McDonough asked Todd Blackledge, well, if Northwestern can run for 200 yards on Ohio State, what's Michigan going to do? Just so ridiculous. Look at the box score, Sean. Northwestern averaged 2.6 yards per carry after the first quarter. I typically enjoy McDonough and Blackledge as a broadcast team. I think they're one of ESPN's better teams. But that wasn't one of McDonough's better moments. And, and that was really only the beginning of some, just some annoying post-game overreactions by people who are paid to cover college football. I saw Stuart Mandel tweet after the game that he thought Michigan has been the more complete team all season compared to the Buckeyes. Ari Wasserman tweeted, that wasn't a clunker. That was a warning alarm for anyone who thinks Michigan should be an underdog against the Buckeyes. And then we watched Michigan turn around and stink it up for a half against lowly Rutgers. Michigan trailed the Scarlet Knights 17 to 14 at halftime before Rutgers remembered they were Rutgers and fell apart in the second half. 
So, look, I'm going to file the Ohio State defensive performance as well. I'm going to put that under nothing to see here, folks. The Ohio State defense, look, still good. Tommy Eichenberg did yeoman's work again yesterday, 13 tackles, 10 10 of them were solo. Ronnie Hickman was good again, 10 tackles yesterday. Lathan Ransom, also very good. JT Tuimaloa, also very good. If Michigan wants to run the ball 59 times against this Ohio State defense on November 26th, I think Jim Knowles would would welcome that. I certainly would. So in the end, it was another double-digit win for Ohio State under some extraordinary weather circumstances. Were the Buckeyes at their best yesterday? No, they were not. They did not play to their standard, as I had hoped they would. They seemed to let the weather bother them, especially on offense, more than it should have. The running game, as I just mentioned, was slow to come around again, only this time against an utterly dreadful Northwestern rushing defense. But I would caution people who would try to glean anything from yesterday as it relates to Michigan. And look, Michigan has its share of warts. I've been talking about them all season. They can't score touchdowns in the red zone. They don't trust their quarterback to throw beyond 10 yards. And this is against one of the worst schedules of any of the playoff contenders. And I think when you look at at what happened around the rest of the country, Buckeye fans, take your ugly double-digit road win and just be happy you weren't Tennessee, Alabama, Clemson, or Illinois. Alabama and Clemson are all, they're, they're now all but eliminated from the playoff race. The number six Clemson tied losers in overtime to number 10 LSU, 32 to 31. What a ballsy call, by the way, by Brian Kelly to go for two in overtime to seal that game. Number four Clemson got their doors blown off, 35 to 14 by unranked Notre Dame. The Irish ran for 263 yards against that vaunted Clemson defensive line. By the way, how is that win over the Irish looking now for the Buckeyes? Finally, it was an anticlimactic 27-13 win for number three Georgia over number one Tennessee in Athens. I was totally wrong about that game. The Vols never really had a chance. Georgia jumped out to a 23, pardon me, a 21-3 first half lead, never looked back. Hendon Hooker finished with a pedestrian 195 yards passing, no touchdowns, and an interception. He was sacked six times. Hooker's Heisman campaign took a huge hit yesterday. Oh, also, before I forget, number 16, Illinois, the darkest of playoff dark horses. They lose at home to Michigan State, who stinks, despite outgaining the Spartans 441 to 294. Georgia will, of course, be the new number one in Tuesday's playoff rankings. I think Ohio State did just enough to stay at number two, but if the committee wants to drop them to number three or even number four after the Northwestern clunker, fine by me. I don't really care at this stage. Michigan, I think, will move up to at least number three, even after a shaky first half against Rutgers yesterday. And I think now the playoff committee will be forced to recognize undefeated TCU and elevate them into the top four. But to me, the Horn Frogs are a very shaky playoff contender that doesn't really play any defense. They trailed Texas Tech yesterday going into the fourth quarter before pulling away late. And TCU still has a date with a pretty dangerous Texas team. That's actually next Saturday. I'm not sure how long the Horn Frogs will linger in the playoff discussion. You also have Oregon and USC lurking. Oregon is playing about as well as anyone in the country right now, but I think it's going to be hard to lose the stink of that 49-3 season opening loss to Georgia. USC still has a date with a pretty dangerous Notre Dame team. That game is certainly no gimme. So where am I going with all this? It seems very much on the table that both Ohio State 
and Michigan could make the playoff this season as long as both continue to play well and the game in in Columbus on November 26th is close. Now, it will be interesting to see how the playoff committee treats Tennessee. Tennessee was disappointing yesterday against Georgia. There's no doubt about it, but they still have quality wins over Alabama. That win doesn't look quite as good now after Alabama loses to, to LSU, but their blowout win over LSU earlier this season, that looks much better now. So it will be interesting to see how the playoff committee treats Tennessee, but still, I think the door is ajar for both Ohio State and Michigan to make the college football playoff now coming out of this really chaotic week of college football. So that's something to watch. Okay, that's going to do it for me. The Buckeyes' next opponent is Indiana in the Horseshoe on Saturday. That is going to be another noon Eastern kick, much to the chagrin of our friend PVH. That game will be broadcast on Fox. The line on that one hasn't come out yet, but I expect the Buckeyes to be in the neighborhood of a 27-28 point favorite in that game. The Hoosiers have lost their last six, including a 45-14 drubbing at the hands of Penn State yesterday. Look for an Ohio State-Indiana preview pod from Paige, Chad, and myself, most likely this coming Thursday. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.